0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Your relationship started out in a whirlwind. You couldn't believe how perfect your partner was for you. It seemed as if they could read your mind. And then everything changed. Now, nothing you do is enough or right. The more you offer, the more your partner wants, and it never seems to be reciprocated. Is your partner selfish, immature, or a narcissist? What's the difference? And more to the point, what options do you have? So if you're caught in one of these difficult relationships, then you're in the right place fellow licensed marriage and family therapist, codependency and narcissist expert, and author of the new book, Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist, Essential Tools for Improving or Leaving Narcissistic and Abusive Relationships, Darlene Lancer is here to help you out. So Darlene, thanks for coming back on the show and talking about what is both a very commonly talked about thing today and also I think a misunderstood
1: thing today. Right. Thank you very much because I think it's very important. And uh, so many people are in pain in abusive mm-hmm. relationships, whether or not it's with a narcissist. And a lot of people want to know is he, is she a narcissist? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can give you the diagnostic criteria. But yes, please
0: do I because just, it does have yeah. a very specific definition.
1: Right. I want to preface it by saying, if you think you're being abused, you probably are. Yes. And that's the most important fact of all, not mm-hmm. the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first of all, to have NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, there's three essential ingredients or traits. And one is a lack of empathy And the next is a sense of grandiosity. They think they're they're great, the best, the most perfect, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are very successful, and other times it's like, I should be. People don't see it. It's just in their imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, They haven't been found out yet. Right. And the third is that they have an excessive need for admiration, and it's never-ending. So Mm -hmm. they can be complimented and praised and an hour later they need to hear it again it doesn't stick Um, and then they need two more only two more traits (laughs) okay Because there's only five required out of nine suggested ones Mm -hmm. or frequent ones that are in the diagnostic code one might be arrogance that's pretty typical and common another one would be envy They envy others. They think people are envying them. That's another E after Mm -hmm. lack of empathy. Another E is they have a sense of entitlement. They are above the law. They are above rules. They are special and should get special treatment. They shouldn't have to wait in line. And uh, even though um, they expect you to listen to them and uh, that they don't, think that they should have to listen to you. That's the, the mm-hmm. hypocrisy mm-hmm. The people. is Actually, entitlement is one of the most uh, upsetting, um, annoying features, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that partners complain about. Right. So Another is, go ahead. Oh, no, go, go ahead. Finish it, I'll, but then I'll them yeah. back to a question. Okay. Right. And then exploitativeness, that's another E. There's a tendency to exploit others, and I can go into the reasons under all of these traits. They all have a common denominator. When you really understand the brain and the, the personality of the narcissist, everything falls into place. Um, Another is they like to be with high-status people, associate with high-status institutions. But this would be expected because they think they're special and they're grandiose, so of course they only want to be with special famous, rich uh or people or whatever mm-hmm. category it could be, you know, celebrity, political or or wealthy Business, or successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So those are a lot of the uh traits, uh but again, only five are required to make the diagnosis and three that I mentioned are essential. Uh, right. notice that aggressiveness is not in there. Right, uh, mhm, so it's, not all narcissists are uh violent or uh physically abusive many are, but mm-hmm. uh many are not, so uh that's not necessary, however, if a person is aggressive, and it could be in words too, not just physically mm-hmm. uh raging and things like that, so the more aggressive a person is, the more and more frequent the worse the narcissism is and I have to point out that narcissism exists on a continuum so some people maybe only have three traits and they're mild some people have all nine and more right. <laughs> they might be aggressive also they might be doing criminal behavior and that's called malignant that's there's different types of narcissists and that's more severe Okay. Uh, The more sociopathic behavior, criminal behavior, lying and ruthlessness and malicious, cruel behavior, then it gets uh, to be pretty, pretty much like a sociopath. Right. So.
0: So I did want to go because you talked about grandiosity being a necessary trait for the diagnosis, but that arrogance isn't always present. So what's the difference between arrogance and grandiosity?
1: Well, you know, one you might think you're great, the others you think you're better than everyone else. Oh, okay. no, it is a little okay. different.
0: Okay, Got so it.
1: You're, maybe you're you know people haven't found out that you're you're such a talented artist, okay you know, so you probably okay. would maybe think you're better than other artists, but arrogance is across the board. You're just superior to everyone uh, on everything yeah yeah you're better than other people, and mm-hmm. you do the best ba- every everyone's inferior to you and okay often as it could be a minority group mhm
0: so this is really interesting because if somebody were exhibiting these behaviors, you would think it would be almost like you know a flashing red light stay away from me, but in many cases. They're so attractive in the beginning. What makes narcissists so attractive at the start?
1: That's a very good point. Okay. So they're very skilled. First of all, at manipulation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're very charming and they can be seductive. And they do this because, because they want your admi- admi- admiration. <laughs> they crave it. So they want to make you like them and love them. And they use charm to do that. They're motivated to have power and control over someone. Mm -hmm. And that's one way to do that. When that doesn't work, then they will use more painful means
0: to Mm. exercise
1: power over you. So they're skilled at charm, and they'll do this. Some are game players in dating relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all. Some other narcissists actually want a uh, secure marriage while they can work and someone to raise their children. Mm -hmm. So they can be very charming, and once they know that you're dependent on them and you idealize them, which a lot of partners do, Mm -hmm. then they don't have to work so hard because it's a lot of effort. So typically a, a narcissist will be friendly and charming in public and then they treat their family terribly or very differently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they don't have to they don't have to they can be nice and charming when they have to yeah as, as you're talking about this i'm flashing back to
0: my early days when i worked in you know with um with a domestic violence organization and a lot of what you're talking about is you know is very falls right into that you know, power wheel, that, 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 that abusive pattern. So uh, this is going to be a kind of a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What makes being in a relationship with a narcissist so
1: difficult? Well, in personality studies, there's a, they call it the big five personalities, mm-hmm. uh, traits. And they've decided, researchers have found that these five traits seem to be Hereditary. And one of the traits is agreeableness. Okay. And statistically, narcissists are disagreeable. <laughs> so, well,
0: yeah, they sound, they, they don't sound very nice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: well, they can be agreeable when they want to be, uh-huh. you know, when it serves their purpose. So there are many things know, I, mean, I mentioned aggressiveness, entitlement. Uh, that can be uh, very annoying. Mm-hmm. But they're motivated by power because they're very insecure. All these, a lot of these traits that they have are defenses to their insecurity and shame. Mm-hmm. So I understand the topic really well because I wrote a book about shame. I wrote a book about codependency and I wrote a book about narcissism and shame underlies codependency and narcissism and it drives the behavior of both the codependent and the narcissist. And by the way, I think narcissists are codependent too. Mm -hmm. I'm probably in the minority there, but they share a lot of common traits and I go into that in my book. Um, But the... uh, so this this behavior uh, is so that they can have feel better about themselves and so they can have power because they don't feel safe most of the time uh-huh. unless they know they're number 1 unless they're on top they feel very insecure and threatened otherwise so they want to have control and they want to have power over you so that can make the relationship difficult because one of the ways they do it is if you if you're not looking up to them and admiring them, they will do the reverse. They will put you down. Mm. So you have to be one down beneath them. Right. I get that. That so, makes sense. Uh huh. So they have to come first, and that makes them feel safe and secure. Uh, one way is if they you admire them and look up to them, then they feel on top. You know, they're inflated. Mm -hmm. and I have diagrams to explain this in my book, or they look down on you. They're on top and they look down on you. Uh, This works good in a codependent relationship because codependents usually look up to other people. They want to idealize the narcissist because they don't feel good about themselves. Narcissists don't feel good about themselves, but they pump themselves up to feel superior, like a bully. Mm -hmm. And they lack empathy, emotional empathy, so they don't see you as a separate person with interior feelings and needs. Uh, they're not connected to their own interior. And so they won't be sympathetic to you. You know, you're sick. Well, maybe that's an inconvenience to them. <laughs> so, yeah, get up and
0: fix my dinner anyway, right? <laughs> what yeah, not? I've heard
1: some horrible stories Some I have in my book. So another thing is they don't... So, they don't see themselves clearly. They have illusions about themselves, um, so they don't even accurately perceive that if you love them. You know, that they can't. They have. They they need this constant supply of having their needs met and their demands and admiration. Mm-hmm. That gets exhausting. They can be very provocative and argumentative. And the facts don't matter to them because Mm. it's just a power play. Like if you've worked with abusers, you know that um, people make a mistake of defending, explaining, and arguing. That just feeds the abuser's motive Mm -hmm. because the motive is to be on top, to have control. And if they can win an argument, if they can keep the argument going, then they have some control and power. If you ignore them, then they don't. Um and they their defenses uh with others get in the way of the relationship so they will brag, uh or they'll withdraw. They don't want to get too close to anyone. Intimacy is the issue, they don't want to look weak or vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So partners get uh very frustrated and hurt that they can't get the closeness that they want because a narcissist gets their fear gets in the way. They're too secure to be open up to people, mm-hmm. and then they use projection a lot in their defenses. The parts about themselves that they don't want to accept, they project on other people. Right. So they make say to their wife or their child, "You're selfish."
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: don't realize that they're selfish, or they'll say, "You're controlling," and they don't realize they're controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot of denial. So their memories aren't even very good because they're not really present. Mm -hmm. Um, And this sense of entitlement, all this, the abuse that they dish out, but they can't take it. They're very Mm thin-skinned. So you have to tiptoe around them or they'll go into a rage um, to defend themselves. Uh, All these make it very difficult. And all these are to ward off the shame they feel inside. Mm -hmm. And also... Some are the worst is the perfectionistic narcissist, because then he wants everyone in his family or his employees to be perfect and perform perfectly, because that's also a defense to shame.
0: Mm-hmm. Anything
1: less than perfect brings a lot of feelings of uh, unworthiness and shame. Toscanini, uh, the famous composer and mm-hmm. uh, I mean conductor, uh, was known to cancel performances that were fully sold out. If, like, the third violin was like a half a note off, <laughs> he could hear it, and he just wouldn't perform. Right.
0: Nobody else yeah. could, but he could, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. He wouldn't let the whole orchestra... They had to cancel the performance if they were wow. like half a wow. note off. And he could hear that, and uh, that's because there's so much shame. He had to be perfect. Wow. So...
0: This is Happily Ever After. is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with fellow marriage and family therapist, narcissist expert, and the author of the new book, Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist, Essential Tools for Improving or Leaving Narcissistic and Abusive Relationships, Darlene Lancer. And whether you're actually involved with a narcissist or whether the relationship is just really difficult, there are things that you can do. You matter, not more than the other person, but not less either. So if you're in a relationship that feels one-sided and you're struggling in it, do not wait another minute. Take a moment and get in touch with me to schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship consultation. You can reach me by phone at area code 919 9240463 Again, that's 919 924 Or you can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. And now I want to get back to the next part of the conversation, Um where we're going to talk about what you can do about it. So, Darlene, in your book, you talk about finding your power in a narcissistic relationship, and that's actually an acronym. Power is actually an acronym. So what does it mean?
1: Okay, so as I said, narcissists will put themselves first, but so do their partners. So they give away their, partner, their power. In fact, mm. people in relationships with narcissists unwittingly give power over to the narcissist. Uh-huh. And then they enable the narcissist's right to dominate and judge them. And they don't realize. For instance, if you start defending yourself and explaining yourself, uh-huh. you're you have a right to judge me. So, right. you don't want to do that. And, uh, because then, then, they care about the facts. They just want to have power over you. So, Then narcissists prioritize power, as I said, and they'll sacrifice the relationship to get it. Other people prioritize the relationship and they'll sacrifice themselves to keep it. And this damages their self-esteem. The O in power is that opposing beliefs, as I mentioned, like the narcissist's brain works differently. People don't understand that they lack empathy or they can't see that... The other person has needs and feelings, so people will say, "I did all this for you, and I ask you just one favor, and you won't you won't do that for me." And I make so many sacrifices. Well, a narcissist sees a relationship as a transaction, a business like a business transaction, and they want to get the the most for the lowest cost. Mm-hmm. So unless you raise the cost, you just give them. Continue to give them power and go along with their definition of the relationship instead of what you want. You want an equal relationship. So you're going to have to turn that dynamic around, and that's what my book goes into. Okay. And the W is that for waving, people wave their needs in the relationship and they don't want to make waves. They go along to get along. The narcissist isn't interested in getting along. Like I said, they like to provoke. They want to get ahead. So people just hold on to the hope that eventually they'll get their needs met. If I give the narcissist what they want, then they'll meet my needs, or then I'll be happy. It never works. Right. The narcissist is a bottomless pit, and there's relentless needs and wants, and you just empower them or her that way, Mm -hmm. by catering to their, their, you know, selfishness and putting themselves first. And the E in power, and this is especially when dating, stands for excitement. So partners especially will confuse excitement and and anxiety, particularly if you came from a home where there was a lot of drama Mm -hmm. or if you were abused in some way. But dating a narcissist, as you said, could feel very romantic and thrilling and intense. You might not be aware that you feel unsafe to share your true feelings, to set boundaries, to ask for what you want. Those butterflies are actually signs of anxiety. And then once the initial romance uh, settles down into a relationship, or a marriage the narcissist turns into Jekyll and Hyde Mm. and that melodrama isn't exciting it's abuse and it's toxic yeah finally the R is partners relentlessly try to satisfy the narcissist demands as I said and they learn they yearn for the return of the romantic and genial person they knew and instead they just accept like Sporadic gestures of uh, affection or crumbs of kindness, and this can become addictive, like playing a slot machine. Mm -hmm. Like once in a while you win, but you hang in there and you keep playing, and it makes it very hard to leave. And these relationships are harder to leave than a healthy one. Right. Yeah. That's the acronym. Yeah. That that
0: definition is in is in the. cycle of abuse where you have that honeymoon phase where everything's wonderful and you're hanging on to dear life for that. And you keep thinking, you know, it's like, I love the slot machine thing because it's like, oh, if I just keep hanging in, if I keep, if I'm like the little rat and I just keep keep hitting that bar, the food's eventually going to come. And it just, it just makes it much more difficult. So in your, in the title of your book, you actually talk about improving a narcissistic or abusive relationship. So, is it actually really possible to develop a healthy relationship with a narcissist?
1: Well, first of all, let me just say that healthy is is relative okay. to what makes people happy. All right. And as I said, narcissism exists on a continuum. hmm So there are degrees, and a lot of people have long-term relationships with narcissists, and it might need not. Be their fairy tale ideal, but it satisfies their needs what they want so narcissists vary, and partners vary in their expectations so often narcissists are very successful or have um, you know a very lively, interesting lifestyle, and that might be a reason that someone wants to stay if they don't have to experience abuse okay so someone else might. Just want to stay in and raise the family, and they also don't want to experience abuse. So you know, someone else might want a very intimate, emotionally intimate relationship. That might not happen with the narcissist. But again, it's degrees of narcissists. Some are more aware than others. Um, so it's going to vary in each relationship depending on what you want and how severe the narcissism is. Mm-hmm. If you do the steps in my book, you'll see that it'll improve and then you have a better way to assess it. And I give some criteria about a prognosis okay. of the relationship. And and some narcissists can be motivated to go to therapy and that will help the relationship also. Uh, so those are some of And a lot of people say, well, Can a narcissist love? Does he or she love me? And I give some examples about love too and how Mm -hmm. you can evaluate that in your relationship. But I've seen these relationships improve. The most important thing is changing that balance of power Um, because people call me because they want to stay in the relationship. Right. They don't want to leave. And even though it's been awful They don't want to leave. They want to improve it. And if they were going to leave, they would have. But as I said, it's hard to leave. And not only that cycle of abuse, but there's trauma bonds and something called intermittent reinforcement. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the rat pressing the lever. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is even after the reward stops coming, they keep pressing it. Yep. So even when those rewards or the affection gets less and less and less, people keep they, they can't stop themselves, and it becomes this addictive process. so in order, doing all these steps in the book will prepare you to leave too okay so you because can't needed... it's not easy. you would have left already if you right you know, if you wanted to.
0: And you know, and it and it is. I I had a client a few years back, and you know, she she eventually left her her narcissistic husband. Um, but you know, but but again, and then it was like, well, we have children together, so I still have to deal with this person. And of course, that's its own. I mean, you know, it's 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 this it's this thing. So I do want to ask because, and and again, I need to reiterate because it's the same thing you said that if if you're not feeling comfortable if you're not feeling loved if you're not feeling safe in your relationship we don't need to label it it doesn't it just means you got to figure out how to make it better but exactly but what can or should people be on the lookout for when they're dating when this person seems just so amazing and like you said they're you know they're you know it's the sweep you off your feet and take you away for the weekend. And it's all this wonderful stuff. And, you know, and, and it's that initial, you know, it's that their initial investment in you to, to get what they eventually want. So are there warning signs? Well, you
1: just kind of described it. <laughs> Someone who's like sweeping you off your feet, etc. It's like, are they being real? Mm. Are, and how do you feel inside? You all this uh, this is what I'm talking about this excitement gets confused with anxiety are you afraid to rock the boat? Mm-hmm. That might be a warning sign that you're not really feeling comfortable it's so intense and thrilling and now sexual attraction can kind of confuse you like uh-huh. say like <laughs> lust is blind so take your time be getting sexually involved so you get to know the person and if they're telling you they want to marry you like in the first couple of weeks when they don't even really know you. <laughs> that says something about their maturity and, and their um, credibility mm-hmm. because how do they really, you don't really know each other at that point in time. Well, and, so, and for me, one
0: of the best things is ask about previous relationships and pay attention to how they talk about them, whether it's, their relationship with their parents or a previous romantic relationship or there's some, I mean, but it's like, because, because that will tell, I mean, because if, if if every, that'll show up the grandiosity and the arrogance and the kind of things that you might not see in other, in other
1: ways, is that accurate? Oh yes. I mean, I have a whole chapter on dating and what to look for. What, know your own blind spots. Mm-hmm. because a lot of it is your own, some of the thing like the idealization. Mm-hmm. Why are you susceptible to idealizing or ignoring your own feelings or going along and not wanting to make waves rather than speaking up about something that bothers you? Mm-hmm. So like the bragging you said, any kind of arrogance, look at how they treat, how they talk about their ex, like you said. They're putting down other people. They'll be rarely nice to you and they might be... Uh, talk in demeaning ways about their ex or other people, sooner or later they'll talk about you that way if you stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sense of entitlement. Do they, are they rude to uh, parking attendants or, or waitresses and things like that? Mm-hmm. And are they self-centered? Are they only talking about themselves? Are they asking about you? I once went out with someone who just would talk nonstop about himself and i s- and I found that I was getting bored after for it was very interesting in the beginning right. and then I found my mind wandering, and I was getting bored, and I said, "You know I, listening to you, I don't really get the sense that you're interested in getting to know me because you really haven't asked anything about me and he said, "Oh, it's kind of caught him by surprise." <laughs> And he said, Well, people have told me that. like <laughs> oh, and then right. he asked yeah. Me, yeah. So it wasn't just me, you know, it was obvious. And then he asked me a question, and I answered. And then he went right back to talking about himself. Right. <laughs> right.
0: It's, it's it was the, like a
1: yes or no question. And then it was so. Right. you, know, you relate like a that. story,
0: and then they one up you. It's like, Well, I did, blah, blah. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and again, and and I'm glad that you talked about this being a continuum. Because again, you know, we, I, you know, we all have these traits, um, and whether or not we put them together into this thing that can be diagnosed, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, it, 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 for all relationship's sake, we need to be paying attention to these kinds of things, mm-hmm. but you know, but these warning signs, because you know, it, it is so devastating. I mean, it just it not only devastates the person in the relationship, but if there are any children, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's just adds stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And and so I'm so glad that um, you've written this book because, and, and again, I can't think of a more timely topic right now. Um, and so can you share where people can get the book in any, and any and how to find out more about you and the work that you do?
1: Sure, thank you. Uh well, the book is on Amazon right now. And uh there's a lot of information, talks and blogs. I have over 200 blogs on my website. What is If you forget that, just you know, my name is darlenelancer.com and I have uh things on YouTube and social media. I post every day and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and So LinkedIn, so I'm really all over the internet and you can get information and I have many other books too that are helpful in developing your voice and assertiveness and building your self-esteem and overcoming codependency. So I have a lot of tools um, for people to learn to uh, get out of these relationships and to build their own sense of self-worth. So again... You know some this my book will really be helpful N- doesn't have to be a narcissist it could be right. any kind of abuser. It might be a different borderline personality. It could be an addict mm-hmm. or just someone who's highly defensive and argumentative uh, so you because like you said, you know abusers are interested in power and their way, and whether or not it's a narcissist, I wouldn't worry so much about the diagnosis mm-hmm. focus on building your self-worth and you're finding your voice and learning to stand up for yourself, which are all good things personally. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. They're all good things so that you can have healthy relationships of all kinds, romantic, parent, friends, coworkers, you name it. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because a fundamental key to having healthy relationships that last is for both people to be emotionally healthy. And this is what Darlene's talking about. And again, this is tough because a lot of people haven't done their own work. And when you're part of this couple, you have a built-in scapegoat. Focusing on the other person rarely works and it reduces your power, which is key, as Darlene just shared. So what work do you still have to do and what would get you to do it? And so hopefully as part of the work that you do, you'll keep listening to this show. And until next week, Stay loving.